flash mob choir. Mm -hmm. I was watching it online. So there's this couple who got married in like a registry office, and then in the audience, they had no, this. Hang on, hang on. You got to call it an audience. All right, like congregation, whatever. Yeah. All dotted about. Mm. And then right at the end, they all stood up and started singing somewhere over the rainbow. Oh, <gasps> crying my eyes out, Aunt Lou, watching it. <laughs> To episode 101 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catch-Up podcast that thinks after more than a year of build-up, hours of screen time, weeks of anticipation, maybe Tim's dad was simply just a little bit misunderstood. I'm Gavin. And I'm not buying any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I cheered last night. Yeah. Ah, I know. On reflection, I, I have I have comment. I, oh, oh, so do I. <laughs> So do I. But in that initial moment, I was like, oh, just thank fuck. Anyway, how are you? Meh. <laughs> Great, shall we preempt now? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to have taken the top spot in our family quarantine movies ratings. <laughs> Young Frankenstein for the win. Who'd have thunk it? Have thunk it. I'd never thought the kids would have enjoyed it as much as that. So much so that Benny wants to choose another movie with uh, what's his name in it? Marty Feldman. I don't Marty. think there is another movie. There must be. Marty Feldman must have done something else. Uh, he, uh, yeah, not anything that I think anybody wants to watch. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if all else fails, it'll just be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I wouldn't mind that. No, me neither. The original, not the Johnny oh. Depp one. Oh, God, no. No, no. Because yeah, it would have to be the original because... That was a Gene Wilder connection. Yes. Yeah, we've been doing for the last... I love Gene Wilder. R.I.P. 47 nights, I think we're at now. 47 nights. We've Whatever we're doing, we congregate as a family at 7 o'clock, which is why we record this now on a Saturday morning rather than a Friday night, because on Friday night Correct. we're doing the family movie night thing. So for 47 nights, we've each been picking a movie every night, and about halfway through, we, we, we changed the format and started to pick a movie that was related in some way to the, the previous movie, mm -hmm. which kind of gave us a little bit more of a focus, but also meant that when we entered musicals, we were in musicals for quite some time. Yes. <laughs> Animated movies, too. For quite some time. Mm -hmm. So if you are remotely interested in what Helen and I and... Our kids think about those 47 movies. I put together a little visual on Tableau Public that you can see yes. via our Twitter page. I'll maybe put a link oh. on Facebook as well. But Yes. <laughs> yes. I took an hour. And it was glorious. It is, it is still glorious. It's amazing what you can do yeah. with Tableau in just a, a short period of time. Yeah. Because we were talking to one of, <clears throat> one of our friends, one of our writer friends about uh, what was the the best, what like what the best five movies looked like, mm -hmm. and he thought it was an eclectic mix, mm -hmm. which kind of suggested that the family was all kind of voting all over the place. But in the top five were all kind of in, mostly in agreement that this was a really really good movie, right? And in the bottom five, kind of less so. There was some high votes, and then there was some very very low votes in the, the bottom five. So I thought, well, well. this is going to be interesting to see visually. So <laughs> not for the not for the bottom <clears throat> two. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Nobody voted hot. Nobody gave high marks to Max Keeble's big move or Robo Dog. No, there is a movie called Robo Dog. There's I'm, a sequel to Robo Dog. I'm almost curious about the sequel. <laughs> This, the original is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. But it's the worst thing Wallace Shawn has ever done. I am still I, shocked that he's in that movie. I don't know how anybody in that movie ended up in that movie. And also, I don't know how anybody in that movie, when the director said cut, thought, yeah, that's the take. <laughs> I don't think there's a take two in any of that movie. It's just... <laughs> and the guy that produces it and wrote it... It also... Is like, is like is the main actor. villain in it. Or one of the like, a henchman of the main villain. Right. And he can't Isn't act that... a single... He, no, he can't act at all. No, he's just talking. Right, yeah. He's basically reading it out. Yeah. Like, it, But like it's the first time he's read it. Pretty much. And he's the one who wrote it. Oh, jeez. It wouldn't have been so bad if they hadn't made the robot dog a talking dog and hadn't put a vacuum cleaner in the robot dog's butt. This is, this is all true. This, this all happens in RoboDog. I'm, I'm almost tempted to recommend that you watch it, dear <laughs> listeners, just it's, so you can appreciate what we're talking about. It's one of those movies that's so bad, you just laugh I, at I, it. I didn't. I just... I, well, I, I was, did. I was mostly offended by it. I was I was far more charmed by how awful it was than I was by Max Keeble's big move. Max Keeble is now the Franklin Pierce of movies for this family. <laughs> That's, that's, that's such a reference that no one's going to get. <laughs> but it's true. It is true. Oh, yeah. Good God. Robo dog. Vacuum in the butt. And see, here, when I took Stelly to see um, the Dr. Doolittle movie before the world shut down, mm-hmm. and uh, the climactic scene is oh, spoiler alert Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Dr. Doolittle pulling a bagpipe out of the ass of a dragon, I thought, surely this is the most ridiculous ass scene in any family movie ever produced. But RoboDog proved me wrong. I I don't know if that was planned or not, because what we have is RoboDog, which is a little kind of mutt. Like a terrier. Right. Doing that thing that dogs do when they drag their ass along the Carpet. Right, when they're itching their ass itching their because ass. they have worms. Right. They saw that, for whatever reason they filmed it, and must have said, let's just pretend that he's vacuuming that up, rather than smearing shite on the carpet. <laughs> the pre- and I hate to go on about this because it's just <laughs> such a bad movie, but we're led to believe that the asshole father of this kid, mm-hmm. whose dog was fried to death it it yeah it 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 dehydrated because it was locked in the attic all day because it ran up the attic stairs and then a box fell blocking the stairs a dog so beloved by the family its name was dog yes so this asshole father who's an inventor Mm -hmm. manages to construct this robo dog that looks exactly like this dead dog yes that what that can conduct conversations in english mm-hmm. but yet doesn't know what a dog is and has to be told by the young boy right the robot dog doesn't know what a dog is no and has to be taught and is guilted into it 
by his parents who say, you must teach this dog how to be a real dog. And the kid rightly says, I don't want anything to do with this thing. I'm still grieving for my dog. Although when the kid says, I don't want anything to do with this thing, I wasn't sure if he was talking about the dog or the movie. <laughs> and then... It's and a, then... It's a good eight minutes on RoboDog. <laughs> the dog makes a video about how much he loves the kid and creepily has filmed the kid taking a shower and includes it in the video. Although you don't see... There's a curtain. You see the shadow of the kid taking a shower because this is a family film. The kid rightly gets upset that this creepy dog has been filming him unawares. And then the parents make the kid apologize to the dog. Which, remember, is a robot. <laughs> for being upset that the dog has been creeping on him and has shown this movie to the girl down the street that he has a crush on, who also gets mad at him for getting mad at the dog. Which is a robot. Everybody's on RoboDog's side. Nobody's Apart on the, from the kid's audience. side. <laughs> what we're trying to say is RoboDog is Tim's fucking dad. <laughs> so if you have any correspondence, please send it to RoboDog at gmail.com. <laughs> Our RoboDog podcast will return next week. <laughs> Seriously, Wallace Shawn must have really, really needed that check. Is he the, is he the old duffer that's the... The villain. Yes. He's also the voice of Rex in Toy Story. Is one of the villains in... Is an icon in The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. He's he's, well, he's a well-known face. He's, yeah. He's, uh, the, he's Annie Potts' love interest in Young Sheldon. Right. <sighs> Yikes. Although, apparently, the kid... In the movie is also the kid in Fuller House, so I guess he has a career as well. The kids were like, "That looks like Jackson from Fuller House," and I was like, "No, it can't possibly be," but it was. And the mom was Kevin's sister in Olivia Dable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, I remember her acting being better in the Wonder Years. Yeah, she was trying to shit in the Wonder Years. She wasn't trying at all. Or she's forgotten. I don't think she's been very much since Wonder Years. No. Has she? I think these was are Was she like... in a Bond movie? Or was it her sister that was in a Bond movie? I have no idea. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, you done on RoboDog? <laughs> are you done on RoboDog? I'm more than done on RoboDog. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that robotic <laughs> Corey News. Fucking RoboDog. <laughs> it really was just a... <laughs> The thing is, is that what she... Because what, this was Steli's pick, and she really wanted to watch Wally. <laughs> but Disney Plus was acting up, and we couldn't get anything to play on Disney Plus that night for some reason. So instead, she just goes to you know, the regular TV and hits the voice thing and says, movies about robots. And of all the movies about robots she could have chosen, she chose RoboDog. (laughs) 11-year-olds can be assholes. (laughs) And that's Corey News. (laughs) (laughs) 
Clearly it's not. Of course. Hundred <laughs> first episode, folks. <coughs> made it this far. You're stuck with us now. Uh, uh, okay. 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 All right. <clears throat> Back in the game. Yes. You can now buy Coronation Street face masks. I saw that for your face during the coronavirus and crisis. beyond. Yes, and beyond. Wow. Uh, at Craig's underscore art. Um, has a shop on redbubble.com with fabric featuring famous faces from the show. The Evelyn one is especially glorious. He's done some on uh, the Golden Girls as well. Yes, They look yes. fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. And um, and Are You Being Served? <laughs> and, uh, and, and a number of other iconic, iconic shows. Yes. His artwork is kind of like... Uh, it's great. It reminds me of Grand Theft Auto. It's not in so much, <laughs> n- n- not so much how it looks, but when you see an image that's related to Grand Theft Auto, you know it's Grand Theft Auto without mm-hmm. w- without seeing the logo. When you see one of his images, you know it's one of his images, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I ordered two of the Evelyn ones. Oh, you did? And a Gale, oh, superb. And, and a Gale one. And then the B. Arthur one, where it says, be safe, underneath B. Arthur's face with a face mask on. Oh, tremendous. Yeah. So it should be arriving at the at the end of May. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't not buy the Evelyn ones, because they were just so good. Yeah. You see it, and you know you know it's her. Right. And nobody in this town is going to understand. Have the first fucking clue for that. So around wearing an a... old woman's face. <laughs> Wasn't that that lady from the British Telecom adverts in the nineteen eighties? We'll say nobody. <laughs> Maybe Steve. Yeah. <clears throat> Shelley King has recently said in an interview that she's not sure how the Yasmin and Tim's fucking dad storyline will conclude, <laughs> as they were stopped in midstream. Due to the coronavirus crisis. Oh. As long as it's painful work for one and redeemed for the other, I'm willing to wait. Finally, looks like Liz is donning her leopard print leggings and heading for the jungle. Beverly Callard has reportedly signed up to join I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. Apparently, despite the COVID-19 pandemic, Celebrity will begin shooting in November as scheduled. Oh, really? Yeah. It's quite bold. Yeah, the ITV producers are quite sure that all of this will be over by November. Yeah, because ITV producers are kind of full of bacteriologists and biologists. Well, and if you're going to social distance, you might as well do it in the jungle. I guess. And that's Corey News. That's Corey News. Our mailbag. Canadian Helen wrote in to say, A wonderful 100th episode. Your podcast is a bright moment of my week during these hectic times. Hectic? <laughs> I guess. Yes, yeah, it's, it's hectic. I had an idea as to why Ken wanted to leave Shady Acres, she says. Maybe he feels guilty that staying there reminds him of losing Eccles. And once again, I just love it when people buy into or getting things wrong. Mm. Helen from Whereabouts Unknown. Congratulations. Love listening to you guys. Keep up the good work. You're doing a fabulous job. And mm. John simply said, congrats. Then Chris, yes, that one. He looks like he's had some more time on his hands and has written a very long email. Oh. <laughs> Oh, good, I hope. Uh, that, uh, I feel I would be doing a disservice to cut lots of it out, so 
So here goes. <clears throat> it all looked quite positive at the start, Chris says. After having her heart broken by a cheating partner, it took a while for her to allow this man fully into her life. People were happy for her though and tended to like him, which is why few suspected anything was amiss as things started to go wrong behind closed doors. Slowly, almost unnoticeably, he started to persuade her to do things that she didn't want to do, and not to do things that she did. And to turn her against her friends, to isolate her from those friends and her family, and he chipped away at her self-esteem until there was absolutely nothing left. In the pub, cafe and wider community outside of the family home, there was little evidence to suggest this man was an ogre who was terrorising his wife to this degree. Eventually, when his abuse and mental cruelty got too much, a harrowing altercation in the kitchen resulted in this nightmare of a man being stabbed to death. But that's enough about the harrowing story of Helen Archer and Bob Titchener, whose story gripped the nation's radio listeners on BBC's The Archers, <laughs> before being shamelessly replicated in every detail on her beloved street. At the time of writing, however, we don't know for sure if Tim's fucking dad is dead, but at close of play last night, things were not looking good for Weatherfield's least favourite part-time magician. We've all wanted him to get his comeuppance for such a long time, but I certainly didn't see that coming. This storyline dominated the week's episodes, of course, and provided some of the most uncomfortable yet compelling viewing the show has ever featured. Last night was the first time I felt we encountered someone unplanned editing as the producers attempted to make the already filmed episodes and storylines fit into the new weekly schedule. There were instances when an incident that was part of the Tim's fucking dad storyline would normally, I think, be followed by a cutaway to a less important piece of action, but I reckon they were keen to tie this all up in one episode and make it all reach this crescendo on Friday. I thought this week was amazing, and if Tim's fucking dad is indeed dead, my only regret is that it was all too fleeting, and he didn't suffer anywhere near enough. Mm. Whew. I think I agree about the rejigging of the episode. Yeah. It, remember didn't, this it didn't, it didn't, it was, I think we'll get to that when, we, when we're talking about, about it. Right, because it's like a half hour episode. Which would normally start at breakfast time and finish round about lunchtime, mm-hmm. or it would start round about lunchtime and finish at night. But this was kind of encompassed the whole day, right? So and it does feel like they've plucked other bits of that out and scrunched yeah. this into one episode. And they don't give us a break. There's, there's no, there's no break in the storyline. Right, it's all about some relief. Right, it's all about that. Right, and that I don't think was a wise decision. Oh, really? But again. We'll get to that. that. (sighs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight. With me, Tim's dad, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about sausage rolls for heads. This was Mary's explaining her dream to Tracy, where everyone oh, had sausage right. rolls for heads. I was Gavin, and you were in mid-sip when my intro suddenly ended. Yes. It was a very long intro. It was. And I'd been doing very long intros up to that, and you yeah. were expecting me to go on for some time, and I, and I didn't. You didn't, yeah. It's Sto- all story, your fault. Story of my life. Yeah. This was the week everyone announced that they were leaving the show. Kate announced that she was leaving. Sinead announced that she was leaving. Michelle announced that she was leaving. Alex briefly announced that he was leaving and said that he wasn't leaving. But it all was described as an exodus mm. in the UK tabloid papers. Mm-hmm. 
You were thinking about setting up a merch store. Yeah, we still need to do that. That's a year later. It's 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 one of those, and and I have I have looked into it, and I have reached out to a couple of places that do um, merch for podcasters and stuff, but I haven't really heard back. And then you know the world shut down. Right. So this was our fiftieth episode, and I interviewed Glenda off off out of the Cory blog. Listening back to that interview, I talked way too much. We got into a review of the episodes after a mere 11 minutes of waffle. How much waffle today? We're at 20 at the moment. (laughs) I'll cut some of that out. No. Peter is off to rehab after a cringy AA meeting with Ken. Remember that? When Ken said, hello, Peter. (laughs) Oh, when he said, at the AA meeting, yeah. Yeah. Someone stole Wayne's, uh, the report, and you said, (laughs) dum-dum-dum, way too often. Sally finds miss Wayne. Tim's cache of biscuits. I think we all do. Then mispronounces quinoa at a dinner p- at a dinner party. <clears throat> Tim's dad cancels Yasmin's book club because he wants to cook her a wonderful meal after sundown. Tim's dad, what a tit he was just at that point. <clears throat> Jan has Mary, Eileen, and Moira sniffing at his bits, and then seems to have a relationship with Rachel. Mary decides to divorce Norris to open her door with Jan, so to speak. Yikes. Gemma is left behind by her mum in the park and Chesney learns about the baby. Little does he know. We hope <laughs> that we will never, we hope that the two of them will never get back together again. Our moment of the week was Gemma agreeing to involve Chesney in the Wait. pregnancy and boring moment of the week was Gina going on about something to do with zombies again. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last week. This, this time last year. So we didn't want Chesney and, and Gemma to get back together? We firmly wanted them not to get back together again. Well, apparently no one listens to us. <laughs> Just crickets out there. Just crickets. Just crickets. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. I think there's only four storylines this week. One is awful, though. Our so. first one is our last one, so the second one is Asha's latest horrible storyline. On Monday in Roy's Rolls, Kathy and Dev have made up. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Liz asks about how Ash is doing, and Dev says he doesn't really know. He's the worst dad in the universe. Eileen thinks it's yesterday's news, but then Liz tells a story from the market about a girl called Spammy Pammy who had a love bite a few years back, and she never forgot it. Well, more than a few years back, when they were in school. Right. (laughs) Then Nina comes over and asks how Ash is doing, and Dev worries that everyone knows now. Well, it's on the internet, Dev. Yep. Amy drops in to see Asha, but Asha wants to stay in. Amy thinks that she's making it hard for herself uh, for when she finally has to cross the door to go back to school. And yeah, about that, says Asha, I'm not going back to school. Mm-hmm. Asha and Amy <laughs> later are chatting, and Asha calls Amy far more experienced in this regard, to which Amy replies, I'm not the bike of where they high, just because I got knocked up. And yeah. Asha explains that she only did it to keep Corey keen. Dev announces that he needs bog roll, so Asha and Amy head out to get it. And once they're gone, Dev phones the school to inform the headmaster of what's happened. Yes. Which I think he'd promised not to do. Well, I think I think the police had already contacted the school. And, and Dev was just calling back to confirm. It, it seemed like he was returning a call. Did it? Anything. Yeah. Seemed, that's what it seemed to me that this was because you know in in situations like this 
where both the victim and the instigator go to school in the same school. The school wants to be made aware of these sorts of things, just in case there's an incident. Oh, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a brief altercation in the kebab shop between Kelly the Chin and Asha over Dev spilling his guts to the school and the police, but it's quickly extinguished by Kathy who tells Kelly to fuck off. And also, Asha's dad owns this place, so right. get it right up ya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back home, Asha wants Dev to withdraw his complaint about Kelly to the school. He can't hide from this, from this, she says, and his involvement is just making things worse. Then in her room, Asha's going through the group chat that she still hasn't left. Cosy says that Asha's a prosy, in all mm-hmm. caps, yeah, which it's... seems a leap. George says, I hope her mum is proud. Again, oh, and that all was in caps. a huge burn. That, that, that just broke my heart, that bit. Then Skeg's contribution to the all caps conversation is fried eggs. What does that mean? I assume he's talking about her breasts. Okay. Because that was the bit that seemed to really upset him. Because either that or he's just saying that he likes fried eggs. <laughs> then Skeg says, Robodog. <laughs> Asha throws her phone to the floor and cries, and downstairs, Dev is further, further tormenting himself by looking at photos of Asha from days gone by. Yeah. On Wednesday, there was just a little bit on Wednesday, Dev's mood has improved and he's made Asha lunch. She apologises again and doesn't blame him for hating her. He says that he doesn't hate her and she hasn't let him or her mum down. She's, he says that he's proud of her and says that he's done a lot worse in his life. It isn't a competition. Right. The good and bad things in life never last. And he offers to speak doesn't to the head. Doesn't offer any details. No. <laughs> he offers to go and speak to the head and drop his complaint if she agrees to go back to school, which she does. So he picks up the phone and yeah. gives him a call. Yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. Because that storyline kind of shifted more to... Kelly the Chin at that point. Oh, so you're not including the Kelly the Chin, Gary stuff within this? They seemed so separate and it was kind of jumpy. Separate, really? Mm-hmm. Because the whole reason... Oh, fine. But, yeah. I, um... Yeah, this... this the, the conversation between Dev and Asha where he says, uh, you know, he doesn't hate her, and mm-hmm. he's still proud of her. And, and she's know. like, "Really? Why? You're yeah. a liar." I think that that that's got uh, that maybe moment of the week for me because it's just it it's so it's so lovely to see them kind of getting along again, and and you know him him saying to her, "This is this is not your fault," you know. Mm-hmm. It was it was really very heartwarming and and I and I enjoyed it. I don't think it's a good idea for her to go back to that school though. I think he really should put her in a different school or, or let her go somewhere else. And I also think it's not it, it this this feels like a very bad deal to make for both of them. To go back to that school. Yeah. To go back to that school and <clears throat> to, you know, ask the the head guy to back off because the head guy doesn't have to listen to dev no he doesn't have to listen to dev you know dev could tell him to back off but that doesn't mean anything he seems to be withdrawing his complaint 
his complaint to the school that he's it's he... right because the police thing isn't getting dropped. The police thing is definitely in motion. Right, but the he can't really complain. Although not to that the... we've seen anything of it. He and he can't really complain to the school about this because it didn't happen on school property or anything. It Correct. seemed like it was just confirming with the letting the school know that there was a police matter going on with with his with his children who go to that school and so the school needs to be married aware of that the school can kick kelly out of its own merit it doesn't need dev to tell them to kick her out or to not kick her out if dev says hey you know this is going on but i think you should go easy on that kid that's not that's not going to do anything. Right. The school's going to be like, yeah, well, we don't care what you think. Because why would they care? You know, we're still going to suspend this girl because she's, you know, she's caused an issue. And she's trafficked in child pornography, which is what it is. There's part of me that agrees that <clears throat> moving to another school would be for the best. But she's always going to be that girl in that video. And word will get around, no matter what school she goes to in the area, unless she goes to, I don't know, Peru and goes to school there. I kind of like that she's facing up to it and staying at that school and just ignore the the potential for just ignoring it. I can see it going horribly wrong the first day and then her coming home and yelling at Dev and saying, this is all your fault for forcing me to go back to that school. I think the first day, obviously, is going to be Mm. dreadful. Yeah. But the second day... Because the the bit that is right is that kids find a new target. Once they've wrung all the the water they can out of one sponge, they move on to another one. But oh, also, that said, there was a kid in my class. And, but yeah, Liz is also right that, you know, people remember these things even years down the road. And the internet is forever. That video, even if it gets taken off of Pornbub. Pornbub. The sequel to Airbub. You know, the, the it'll franchise be went in a very, in a very different direction. I think it was Air Bud. I know. <laughs> porn Bud. That that would be a very different site, wouldn't it? Porn Bud. Porn Bud would be like. As long as it's still porn, it's finding fine. a buddy to watch porn with. Oh no, you don't. Do you? Do people watch porn together? People in relationships do sometimes. Yeah, I guess. You know, to get the mood started. <laughs> Nothing like say, a bit of wah guitar just to kick in. <laughs> see that? I'd like to try that. Which nobody ever says about anything that goes on in porn, but you know what I mean. Anyway. I, <laughs> yeah, and and my other thoughts, I will, I will wait until we get to the Kelly the Chin stuff. Because... Okay. It's all together. I don't understand why you've separated them out, because we've got that we've got that scene between Dev and Kelly the Chin coming up. Because the the breaks in the from the Asha part to the Gary part were just too back and forth. Although you know, I guess the whole Michelle and Gary stuff is is very much not an Asha bit. Correct. All right, continue. And it's Maria. 
because Michelle left some time ago. Oh, that's right. Maria. But I tell you what, let's jump into that bit now, out right. of sequence, because yeah. I was going to talk about uh, the Barlows, but I'm, I'm not going to do that now. Yeah. Who wants to talk about the Barlows? We'll do that later. <laughs> let's talk about uh, the Kelly the Chin and her family. The family chin. On, <laughs> the family chin. <laughs> on Monday, Kelly the Chin bumps into Gary and Roy's roles, announcing that she's about to be suspended from Weddy High after a week and a bit. The police have spoken to her, and now the school have got wind of the Asher thing, and Kelly rushes off just as Maria turns up. Mm-hmm. This whole relationship that Kelly has with Gary is just weird. the weirdest and most unbelievable thing. It's weird. Then Laura the Chin shows up at the furniture thing, because apparently Gary's been in touch. Yeah. What's this all about? And Gary says that Rick the Chin has been in touch with him, and he wants to know what's been happening with Kelly the Chin's school fees. Gary accuses Laura of pocketing the money herself, and he tells her that Kelly's about to be suspended from Wedy High, so let's get her off the streets and back in Oak, Oak Hill, because let's face it, if Rick the Chin finds out about this, he'll kill her. And that was a bit of a leap, I thought, that Gary took, but Laura looks like... Yeah, she absolutely yeah, you've believes got, that. you've totally got a point here. Yeah. Because she buggers off now. Yeah. She slinks off just as bad Penny Maria turns up wanting to know what's going on. And we don't find out until Wednesday when Gary takes Maria back to the flat and explains that Rick the Chin has gone AWOL and left Laura with K- and Kelly with nothing. Maria wants to know, okay, that's, that's fine, but what's this got to do with you, you and us? Which is a fair point. He says because he knows what it's like to be on Rick the Chin's bad side, I guess, he's offered to help if he can financially. Mm-hmm. And Maria is outraged by this obvious lie, but is more worried that Gary's not looking after his own family. Way to be charitable there, Maria. But still, if I came in and said, this random family, not even from this particular area, is going through a bad spell. This I'm random family that you've, that you've worked with, that you have a, a relationship, with, however tenuous, with... Is having a hard time and has asked for your help, I'd say, yeah, if we can help them, go right ahead because we're in the middle of a pandemic and we should be helping people. Oh no, fuck people. <laughs> people are the worst. You seen the news? Yeah, well, so obviously we're not going to help out people protesting and being stupid, but nice people. And people who genuinely need help. But are these nice people? That these are. This is a family of a loan shark. Yeah, but Maria doesn't. Well, she knows that Rick the Chin was a loan shark, but he, she doesn't know, and she knows Kelly's a bully. <laughs> Why help these people? I don't know. Maria's not great either. <laughs> it just. It just seemed. It just seemed very mean of her to for her first response to be. Fuck people who don't. Fuck people who need help. You need to take care of, take care of us, our, but, but our she's family. Already, she's which, already doing in that lovely flat. Yeah, and our family really. It's just you guys and Liam. And she wanted to give away that lovely Land Rover or whoever it was to. Yeah, she gave a to car David. to to Daniel. David. David. Yes, David. That's right. It was David because Daniel was already in Scotland. Just remind, for some reason, Daniel's in my head because he's come back from Scotland. Although he left poor 
Beth up there. Let's anyway. Stick, stick to the, <laughs> the storyline. Fucking storyline, shall we? <laughs> anyway, yeah, she's been really charitable with her, her friends and everything. So it just seems like. I don't know. Give, I don't know. Give them money to has... the family of a, of a loan shark where you know nothing about the woman, and the only thing you know about the daughter is that she's a horrible bully who fucked Asha's life over. Yeah. They're not deserving of money. Yeah. But it, I, I think there's I think there's something else going on there. I think Maria thinks that there's something going on between Gary and Laura. It was strange for Gary to lie. Well, no, let me rephrase that. It wasn't strange for Gary to lie. It was absolutely on point. Mm-hmm. But to lie in such a way that it kind of ties her into the Rick the Chin thing. How easy would it have been to say... Yeah, she wanted a refund and and I didn't give her it. Right, yeah. There was easier ways to get out of that situation rather than dragging Maria back to the flat. And also, last week, didn't he tell Maria that Kelly's mum was a schoolmate of hers? So now he's, um, you know, sort of being honest and saying that she's Rick the Chin's wife? So... For a habitual liar, he's... He's he's starting to stumble here. Right. And these are the things that he's en- going to end up getting tripped up about later. Yes. Just say dismissal. Oh, she just wanted a refund and didn't give her it. Mm-hmm. What's Maria going to do? Right. March up to her and say anything? No, because she's disappeared. She's not going to have a chance to talk to Laura. No. So uh, Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Although I suppose he also saw her, him, you know, with Kelly. I was wondering. Although he already said to her, Kelly's mom is an old schoolmate. Right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Later, Gary is creepily watching Kelly look upset in Roy's roles. Oh. Oh, what the it, f- it is a little creepy. What is he doing? You're right. The way he's stalking this child is creepy. Then Summer comes in and hears Kelly's woes. On top of all the Asher stuff and the Rick the Chin stuff, it turns out our mum's fucked off now too. She and Summer seem to make a connection over dead and missing dads. That was quite nice. Yes. Later, Summer is filling Billy in on Kelly's problems. There's no adult at home, so Billy tells Kelly to come stay with them until all this is sorted out. Turns out Laura has previous for doing this, and Billy's condition is that Kelly apologises to Asha, and properly this time. Yes. She's like, well, I already did, kind of. Later, Gary's back in Roy's Rolls with Maria. He's spending half his life in Roy's Rolls. And she's going on about a flash mob choir she was watching on the lavy. She does say that she was sitting on the loo. Does she? Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of the name of this week's episode. <laughs> they have some dull chat about wedding music and honeymoon destinations while Gary watches Billy give Kelly she a key. She wants to have a flash mob at their wedding. Uh-huh. She's so tacky. And <laughs> where did she want to go on, hun- on honeymoon? Was Dubai? It- when she go to Dubai. Sure. You paying for this? Does she think Gary's made of money? Doesn't she know that now that he's not loan sharking anymore, he's not making as much money? Late- Later again, Kelly is good to her word and goes round to apologise to Asha, but Dev is having none of it. And he's quite brutal as he verbally lashes out at her, all of which Asha overhears. Yes, and he says that Asha is worth twice as much as as Kelly, you know, Mm -hmm. and and all this other beautiful stuff about his daughter. Mm -hmm. 
while tearing this other child down. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I mean, it was nice that he was sticking up for, for, for Asha, kid, yeah. but... Was he a bit overboard with Kelly? I kind of thought he was a little bit. Yeah, because it does seem like she's ge- she genuinely is sorry that mm-hmm. she did this. And she's got that wee thing in her eyebrow. Yeah, she's got that scar in her eyebrow. Did she have that when we were first introduced to her? I, but like I a believe long so. time ago. I've got one of them as well. No, you don't. It's kind of the hair's kind of grown over it because my eyebrows are terribly unruly at the moment. But <laughs> I had a was it this eyebrow? It's this eyebrow. A lamp fell in it. Cut my eyebrow open, and for the longest time, I had a little, a little bald circle on my eyebrow. Yeah, it's, I don't know if it's all grown. It's, it's, it's all grown over. You have the bushiest eyebrows. I have like uh, I could glorious. be a, I could be a Russian premier with eyebrows like these. <laughs> <laughs> They're totally. Deep. This is another unhappy consequence of being locked down. Is that you, you know? You can't go and get your eyebrows waxed. Yes, we know. Oh, not waxed. I don't get them waxed. But Why not? I, but when I'm sitting in the in the barber's chair, the first time this happened was not a good day. Getting my hair shaved. Mm-hmm. And the barber said to me, you want me to take care of those eyebrows? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what about my eyebrows? He was like, oh, well, no, they're just, you know. I was like, well, just do what you have to do. And he just kind of takes a little comb uh-huh. and just buzzes over the comb and trims them back a little bit. Oh, see, I get mine waxed and plucked. So I need to do this myself now, and no, I'm terrified. Do and I'm terrified that I'm going to fuck it up. Please don't do that. Well, I need to because they're starting to grow upwards now. Yeah, no, please don't do that. I will because I have been. You, you're I've, gonna, done it, I've done it already. You're gonna accidentally shave them all off, and they'll grow back weird like Christian Slater. <laughs> Going back to work. Why is Gav's, Gav's eyebrows suddenly like Christian Slater? Oh, he must have shaved them off. <laughs> the other thing that starts to happen... I did that in high school. I shaved my eyebrows off. When you're at a, a certain age, when the guy's shaving round about the back of your ear and then all of a sudden he's got something in your ear. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, I've got hair ears now. <laughs> it's bad enough when the nose hair just starts to grow at an exponential rate. <laughs> like, I have... No hair on the top of my head, but hair just like kind of falls out of my nose. I wonder if RoboDog has an <laughs> attachment for that. <laughs> oh. What are we talking about again? <laughs> oh, Kelly the Chin. Yeah, Dev berating Kelly the Chin. Yeah, so she apologizes and leaves. I felt quite sorry for her at that point. Gary bumps into Billy. I think she got what she deserved. Do you? Yeah. I don't like bullies. No. I had a medical condition as a child and I got bullied all the time and it was very horrible. So I'm I'm never on the side of the bully. No. I don't care how awful her life is and that her dad is a lone shark who's dead. I don't care. She's a bully. She can GTF. Yeah. She didn't come across as being a nice character when she came in because I was going to say, well, she was... she. Acted in the heat at the moment, and she was impetuous and wrong, but she wasn't no, really nice when she, she was, joined the show. Yeah, she was trying to push a wedge in between Amy and Asha right. from the beginning. You know, and of course, Billy's going to take her in, because that's what Billy does. And, you know, and I like the fact that Summer is is becoming very compassionate and and 
leading the lost sheep the way that Billy does. Yeah, she's kind of become Billy 2.0. Yes, which is nice. She's really... Summer has really become something else compared to what she was when we first started doing this. Uh, I've completely changed my opinion about her. Yeah. Yes, you have. Because you used she- to hate her. You used to hate a child actor. I go as far as to say I hated her. You hated her. I didn't... Well, you hated the character. Because she used to speak in a monotone and you thought she was just... So just dull. Wallpaper. She was dull. But no, she's come on leaps and bounds. I'm actually quite happy to see her. Yeah, and me too. I'd quite like to see more of her and more yeah. things. Only not horrible ones. No. <clears throat> then Gary bumps into Billy and shows a worrying interest in Kelly. Still, <sighs> Billy doesn't notice and is happy to share all the details about Kelly's mum doing a runner. And Kelly will be at his place for the foreseeable future. Yes, and the the police have been notified that. Kelly's mom has run off and the Child Protective Services is going to come around and interview him and Paul to make sure they're not creeps. Yikes. <laughs> What's Gary's angle on this? I, I couldn't work out if he was happy that Kelly was at Billy's or, I think or, he's, or devastated. I think he's happy that Kelly is off the street. I think he is concerned that Child Protective Services is going to be looking into trying to find her parents, though. Right. Because let's all remember, her dad is buried in the forest mm-hmm. by Gary, who killed him. Well, I don't, I don't think Gary signed anything to that effect and left on the body, but yeah. Billy, I'm sure there's some DNA evidence on that body. Billy did say that they were going to go back to the flat and and try and track down every member of Kelly's family. Right. And that Child Protective Services and the police were going to be doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's remember, the police have already questioned Gary in the disappearance of Rick the Chin when Rick the Chin first disappeared. Right. God, that's going back. Yeah. Wow, that feels like... Ages ago. Almost a year ago. Yeah. <clears throat> Probably not quite a year. Well, maybe, because it was certainly before Christmas. Mm-hmm. In the autumn, maybe. Well, we haven't we haven't we haven't hit uh Rick the Chin's death in this year tonight. No. So no, he's it still hasn't alive. been a year yet. It hasn't been quite a year. Okay, okay. Let's talk about the Barlows now. Okay. There's not a huge amount to talk about yeah, here. Yeah, and this is kind of the only real break in horrible news that we get. There's a little bit of horror in it though. Not really. We'll get to that. On Monday, Tracy is complaining about how cramped it is at number one and Daniel is due home any time. Great, says Tracy. There's a scream from Amy who announces that there's no hot water. Tracy checks and right enough, the boiler must be fucked. Tracy resolves to fix it because this is her house now, after all. And then we we learn that, no, it isn't. No. Also, there are a lot of people there all of a sudden. I'm sure the boiler is fine. It's just... They've run out of hot water. They've run out of hot water. Why does nobody say, oh, we must have just run out of hot water. Let's let's hold off on everything for a little bit and see if it comes back before we call the boiler maker. Who makes the boils. <laughs> Tracy's got a bill from an actor in a supporting role. It turns out that the boiler is two and a half grand to replace. Ken doesn't want Tracy to expect him to put his hand in his pocket because she's made such a big deal about owning the place. She can take care of it herself, and Peter thinks this is hilarious. Yes, he does. 
I take great pleasure in the pleasure that Peter is getting from all of this. Yeah, I think Peter in this situation is the viewer, just yes. sitting in there just laughing at yes. Tracy's misfortune. Yes. On Wednesday, Daniel's back. Yay. He's had a haircut. And it, the beard's gone. Oh, the beard's still there. Is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how much I noticed. <laughs> He's back and full of Ponce and New Age shite about moving forward with Sinead and Bertie into the next stage of their lives. Sinead notwithstanding. Whatever lets you sleep at night, says a barely interested Ken. <laughs> then Daniel announces that he's scared about being away from the retreat. And Ken's about to explain about his own new start when he gets a call from Tracy sum- summoning him later. And later indeed, Ken, Tracy and Daniel meet in the pub. She doesn't know why Daniel's there, but whatever. She has a plan for getting a new boiler that benefits everyone financially. Mm. Steve and Tracy still want to buy the place. So they haven't bought the place. No. So what have they been doing? I don't know. None of this makes any sense to me. Because they didn't Ken need the money from the sale to move to Stillwaters. Anyway, Claudia paid Claudia for all of it. Claudia said that she'd take care of she'd that. She'd take care of it and then he could pay the rent later on, I guess. Which is never going to happen now. No. <laughs> Poor Claudia just really got stiffed by the Barlows, didn't she? And what I didn't mention from last year was that the retreat that Peter went to. Yeah, it was also paid by Claudia. At 15 grand a week. Yeah. Thank you very much. Which yeah. you remarked as being relatively cheap. Yes. Bloody hell. Claudia is out so much From financially on this family. stupid family. Doesn't even appreciate her. And last week, Ken offers, I'll, I'll make sure that I pay you back. And she's like, it's, it's just money. This isn't about money. This was about us. Right. But she's down tens of thousands of pounds because of this family. Because what else did she pay for? She paid for something else. Didn't she pay for... Amy's abortion or something? <laughs> I don't think Amy had to pay for her abortion, did she? Yeah, I thought she could on the NHS, but still, she paid for something else. Daniel's retreat, Peter's retreat. I'm sure she's helped out with a number of other things, because she tends to. She just throws her money about, she doesn't care, but still. And what I didn't realise, does that mean that she's out of the show now? I don't think so, because she still owns Audrey's salon, let's remember. And and also, let's remember that she's going to start this new business where she and her ladies go and do people's hair in their homes. I hope we haven't seen the last of Claudia, I really no, do. No, this is not the last of Claudia, because she still owns, she still has a business on the street. I'll be, I'll be complaining... Vigorously. Come on, we've already lost Wayne. We can't lose another redhead. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So anyway, Steve and Tracy still want to buy the place, but they'd like to take their time and save up for it. Didn't they already save up and get a loan or something for this mortgage? And then didn't they already sell their flat to yeah. Liz? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. But Tracy still wants to keep the master bedroom, though. In the meantime. And that way, Ken gets to buy the boiler. Because it's still his house. Right. He agrees to buy the boiler and then decides or announces then that he will not be selling after all. And he wants his fucking bedroom back. Yeah. And Daniel thinks, this is hilarious. (laughs) 
Daniel does think this is hilarious. You know. Oh, the horror, by the way, was Daniel coming back. No. <laughs> but Beth and Kirk are still in Scotland, though. Mm-hmm. She just He just left them. What are they doing? I don't know. Because the whole reason Beth went was to take care of Bertie while Daniel was in his retreat. Mm-hmm. Daniel's not in his retreat anymore. No. And he's brought Bertie home. Yes. Do you think, you think, you think Beth's stuck? Well, she's got Kirk with her, so maybe they're into some... Maybe Kirk's bought a kilt and they're, they're trying it out. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Beth and Kirk have a very active and imaginative sex life. I, I think it's it one of the verges, highlights of the show. I think it probably verges on the, the illegal and certainly unrecommended. <laughs> and I hope you're washing that afterwards. <laughs> Our final storyline tonight. Oh. This morning. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. It's still morning. Tim's fucking dad. Ugh. <laughs> On Monday, it seems that Tim's dad is thrilled that he got his hole last night. Yasmin is less happy and still isn't feeling 100% and has an appointment at the health centre to get some test results back. She's worried she might have a urinary infection. Although she doesn't call it that. She says something about her waters. And I'm like, is this the 14th century? (laughs) 14th century? That's very specific. Go see Gadas the Badass, says Tim's dad. And I got very angry at that because... That's my nickname for her. Who then says that he wouldn't kick her out of bed for farting. Yes. Like, Gadass would even give you the time of day, you piece of shit. He then informs Yasmin that she's on the stopwatch to get back. Yeah, no, no, no. Wagging your chin with the ladies afterwards. Yasmin goes to get the results of her test. She thinks she has cystitis or something, but instead Gadas tells Yasmin that she's tested positive for chlamydia. Yeah. But Yasmin thought that was an STI, which Gadas confirms, yes, that's exactly what it is. This is impossible. She's only ever slept with Tim's dad and Sharif. Gadas says that it can lie dormant for a while, but she needs to speak with Tim's dad about it. Yasmin worries that this could have contributed to his heart problem. What heart problem, Dr. Gadas kind of says without saying, and then clams up. And then clams up and says, I'm, I'm not at liberty to talk about another patient, even though it's your husband and you, he's probably signed that it's okay. Well, I don't or think maybe he has, not, so because, because he is Tim's exist. fucking dad. Mm-hmm. So she writes Yasmin a script for antibiotics or whatever so it is. So you gets. need to talk to your husband about this and all of his other partners. It's kind of implied. Must, oh, no, but she doesn't say husband. She says your partner. Mm-hmm. Outside the medical centre, Yasmin is all out of sorts. Peter comes over to see if she's okay. <coughs> and, and if he, he, she needs an AA meeting, because yes, Peter, that solves all problems. Ay, ay, ay. When poor Jack fell over in the, in the ginnel and hurt his leg, Peter was over in a flash. Jack, are you okay? Do you want to go to an AA meeting with me? <laughs> When uh, oh, when Rita was stuck under that tree, <laughs> Peter was the first to rush over first and on the say, scene. "Rita, are you okay? Do you and the tree want to go to an AA meeting with me?" <laughs> oh. Rita under a tree. Remember that. 
because nobody talked to her for two days or something. She, her tree fell on her. Because yeah, Dev couldn't be bothered to set it up properly. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, yes. Where are we? I don't know. So Peter comes over to see if she's okay. He thinks it's an alcoholism thing and Yasmin laughs. She'd kill for a drink, but she doesn't need to go to a meeting, she says. She's not drunk. Then Tim's dad comes along as Peter leaves. He grabs her arm and asks if she's okay, which is enough to send her running back to the house. Back home, Yasmin tells Tim's dad that she has a sexually transmitted disease and she can't help but wonder how she got it. Infection. Tim's dad reacts badly to it, insisting it's her fault she's come home with a clap, calling her diseased. No wonder you stink, he says. You're a whore. <laughs> Jasmine points out that she's not the one that's been emailing prostitutes. How dare you blame me, says Tim's dad. Oh, God. Jasmine points out that she doesn't have time to shag anyone else. If she's not sleeping, she's working, and if she's not working, she's cleaning. Yeah. Fair enough, says Tim's dad. It must have been Sharif. Yasmin points out that she stopped sleeping with him years ago on account of him running away and now being dead. Yes. He can't look at her and he sends her upstairs to do some fucking cleaning. Get out of my sight, he says. Ugh. Then later, when she's up the stairs, Tim starts. Can't believe he's doing this. Just shaking my head. Tim starts on the blower to the escort service, apparently putting in an official complaint about them giving him the clap. And wanting his money back. He wants a refund. And apparently they laugh at him. Because of course they do. A written complaint would maybe do the trick, do you think? Or maybe to the escort service ombudsman. Or, or email them. He's done all of the the scheduling and stuff online. Why is he calling them? <sighs> he advises them to get rid of Randy Rachel. Was it Rachel? Mm-hmm. It was Rachel. Later, Yasmin is sitting alone in the living room, reading a pamphlet about chlamydia. She looks at Tim's dad's photo and then picks up the phone and dials someone. Tim's dad has been out and comes home complaining about the state of the place. Yasmin must have been busy doing webcam shows for all the perverts in Weatherfield, he says. So that's Brian, then. <laughs> He's... We're trying to so trying to <laughs> squeeze any kind of humour out of this we possibly can, aren't we? He's been to a private health thing and turns out that he's got the clap too. But it turns out that Yasmin has been on the phone to Sonia, Shari's other lady. And it turns out when they split up, she got herself tested as part of some bizarre insurance policy or whatever. She was clean, which means, uh, which means what, asks Tim's dad. Which means, says Yasmin, the cockroach didn't come from me. Yeah. On Wednesday, Tim's dad is outraged that stupid Jasmine is so gullible that she'd believe Sonia's word over his own. The humiliation he felt going to get tested was unbearable, surrounded by all those sex workers, he says. Oh, yes, because that's... <laughs> you go to a clinic. A private clinic. And, and all you know, the only people there are people that have little name tags that say, Hello, I'm a sex worker. Because sex workers... What does he think prostitutes wear? <laughs> I've got is a good he, idea for you, he, what he thinks. Because, you know, he's been with an escort who was dressed like a normal person. Not that prostitutes aren't normal people. <laughs> good save. Sex workers deserve, have rights to, and should be treated fairly in all situations. But anyway, I digress. He's like acting like he went to this private clinic that only services him and sex workers. Right. Those two very disparate groups. Grumpy old men and sex workers. 
So it's very strange. Do you think? Niche. Do you think he really? He, I don't even think he really went to get tested. I no, think he I think knows he, he has it. I think he probably did. I think he knows he has it, and I don't think he would go to a private clinic either, since Gadas already knows that Yasmin has chlamydia. Right. Oh. Yasmin's feeling violated, but he quickly skips over that, says he doesn't enjoy being an ogre, and suggests that they put the question of who gave who the clap to the recycling bin. Ugh. Then he goes off to make ribs, leaving Yasmin a quivering wreck on the couch. Tim's dad is at Dev's, where he's trying to give Evelyn some patter. The patter is honking. It's a patter crime. A crime against patter. <laughs> he then checks his phone, and now there's a camera pointing at the spot where Yasmin has hid her overnight bag. And he sees her putting uh, folded yeah, clothes. Yeah, is he moving this 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 hidden camera around? Because there's only one now, and he he. It was pointing it, at the door. And it was pointing at the couch, and now it's pointing like Something behind between. itself. It's it's such it's such an awful device that they've used for this. Mm-hmm. I just no. She's putting her full folded clothes away and then locking the cupboard up. Yasmin is hoovering when Tim's dad comes home in a worryingly light mood. He calls her Yas Hands and then makes her do Jazz Hands. Yeah. He also calls her Yaston Villa or something. He's looking for his special marinating bowl for his ribs. The last time he saw it, it was in that cupboard, but surprise, surprise, it's locked. Why would it be locked? She says it's just her cleaning products that are in there and it just got into the habit of locking it and now she's forgotten where she put the key. Well, you better find it. But, oh. You better find it because daddy's waiting and daddy means business, says Tim's dad. Later, Yasmin's pretending to look for the key and Tim's dad now thinks that Yasmin has got a present for him. He knows that she's hiding the key and he steals it from her pocket. Right, get that cupboard door open. Great, Yasmin, that was really smart. Keep it in your pocket. Not to, you know, while you're pretending to look for the key, not secret the key somewhere, not on your person. Mm Mm-hmm. So he tells her to get that door open and she's forced to unlock it and open the cupboard and he feigns surprise at the overnight bag. He makes her open it up and sees her clothes. Planning on going somewhere, he demands. Yasmin says it was ahead of Zidane's wedding and she just never got round to unpacking. Bullshit, he says. He takes the case outside, locking Yasmin inside the lovely wee summer house and then proceeds to burn all of Yasmin's clothes in front of her. And she just... Stands there without beating the door, without running through the house and going out the front door and mm-hmm. coming round the back. I oh, ah! The last thing she should be doing if she's running out the front door is going round the back. To get her she's running out the front door. She, she just keeps keep fucking running. running, right? Just keep running. There's so many times she should have just run. But she's brainwashed. And she's beaten. But she's... Not entirely because she's packed a bag and she's contacted the police. She's done all of these other things. She sort of stood up for him, stood up to him like a week and a half ago. Mm. And then all of a sudden turned back into mush. It's just, it's infuriating. And I will continue to be infuriated and will make a bold critique when we get to the end of, of <laughs> retelling this incredibly difficult thing. To get through. So just please just get through it. So, later, Sally comes out and complains about the smoke. It's a one-off, says Tim's dad. If you weren't Tim's dad, says Sally. Sally called him Tim's dad. Yeah. That was a highlight of my week. 
Tim's dad goes back into the house, leaving Yasmin to watch the smoking bucket. Sally, now back in the house, sees this from her window and looks concerned. But not concerned enough to put the basket down and come out and ask Yasmin, what is wrong? And what is going on? She's not that concerned. Well, this is soaps for you. Later, Tim's dad wants to know where she was going to go. She says that she doesn't know, and he tells her to get lost, but she stands her ground. He's sick of looking at her, but knows that she can't leave because no one else would have her. Also, it's her house. Right. He should leave. Right. It's her house, not his house. Oh, you want me to get through this? Ah! Forget about leaving and shut your mouth. He says that he sh- that she should be on her knees begging for his thanks for letting her stay. And he'd help. In her house! And then he tells her to do that, to get on her knees, and then she does. He tells her that she's... He tells her to say that she's going nowhere, which she does. He walks over and tells her that uh, he'd rather see her dead than with someone else and then kisses the top of her head. Has has he accused her of... of uh, no, uh, yeah. He accuses her of wanting to run off with Peter. Not, not yet. Oh, okay. On Friday, Yasmin gets up to Tim's dad's uh, breakfast and he immediately berates her about the age of her spices, so to speak. She slept in because Tim's dad stole her phone and laptop, so her alarm didn't go off. And he says that he's going to keep uh, a hold of it. But she'd like to see Zidane's wedding photos, but he's having none of it. She's feeling sick and she doesn't want to eat, so he serves up his lunch. I get the idea that some time passed during Mm. that. Yeah. She's sick and he says that he has two thanks to her. He asks her to reflect on her actions and then leaves, locking her in the house. Later, Tim's dad is in Roy's Rolls getting a full English breakfast served up by Nina. Peter's there and Tim's dad goes for a word. On the down low, he apologises for Yasmin and Peter's confused. Tim's dad thinks Peter has been pressurising her to, uh, to imbibe again. Peter doesn't think that they've spoken that much, but takes a point on board and says that he'll just stay out of it. Oh, and on his way out, Peter and Eileen agree that Tim's dad is a character, by which they mean he's a cunt. Yes. Cathy and Brian see Yasmin at the living room window. Cathy rings the bell and shouts through the letterbox, but Yasmin ignores Cathy. She hears Brian think that Yasmin is ghosting Cathy, and inside Yasmin cries and says it's not like that at all. It's really not like that. Yeah, and she they slumps, don't hear her though. No, and she slumps against the wall in tears. Later still, Tim's dad gets home announcing that he's seen Zidane's photos and it doesn't look like anyone missed them. Which is just, oh, you utter prick. He then can... Uh, cons- it's also a lie, because he didn't see Ryan. No, he then conceives a story about uh, Peter complaining about an old hag sniffing about him. And now it makes sense. She was going to shack up with Peter, he says. A low-rent James Dean. She promises that she won't speak with him again. She never did anyway. All she wants is Tim's dad. And then the hug. And she asks to see the photos. And he says that he'll think about it. Later, Yasmin needs to go out for some fresh air. And there's a weird struggle over her plate of food and it falls to the floor. She apologises and begs to get... Uh, that fresh air again. He relents and allows her to feed the chooks while he stands at the door watching her. Sally shouts over the fence, inviting Tim's dad and Yasmin to have an event at the bistro that's organised by Faye to taste new menus ahead of Sally's wedding. Yasmin and Tim's dad are reluctant, but Sally won't hear a word against it. Yeah, it's it's the new bistro menu. It's Was not it? has any I don't think it has anything to do with Sally's oh. wedding. Well she seems to mention the wedding about it. Anyway. Oh they could talk about the wedding because remember Sally thinks that Yasmin knows that Yasmin is paying for the wedding. Right. Inside, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to Yasmin. Best behaviour, inside voice, she says. And later, Tim's dad is pissed that all Yasmin has to wear is this beige linen shirt. And a leather skirt. And he's like, well, she she says, well... You burned you all burnt my, my clothes. clothes. And he's like, oh, so it's my fault. <laughs> yes. Like, yes, it is your fault. 
Tim's dad goes into a locked cupboard and brings out a horrible, slinky red dress. He tells her to hurry the fuck up and put it on. Yasmin clearly doesn't want to, but she's forced to undress while well, he, he watches. watches. I felt the camera lingered a little too long on that. Yes. Then Yasmin is dressed, but it's too baggy because she's lost so much weight. And also the dress is obviously not for her. Right. Tim's dad wants to cancel, but she talks him into being there for her granddaughter, or for his granddaughter. At the pub, Sally and Tim are surprised by Yasmin's attire. Tim's dad goes to get the beers in, and Yasmin thanks Sally and Tim for the invite, which they poo-poo after everything Yasmin has done for them. And Yasmin's like, what have I done for you? At the bar, Tim's dad talks with Peter and comes back saying Peter's laughing at Yasmin. Tim's dad talks about uh, going to sort him out like like Tim's dad could sort anybody out. No. And Yasmin begs him just to calm down. Tim's dad's talking about his radio show and Yasmin rushes off to the toilet. And there's a weird audio thing where Yasmin can hear the cackled laughter from the table back in the pub. So she comes back and once again, Tim is grateful for Yasmin and Tim's dad have done. Why does she come back? Right. Run out the back, Yasmin. <laughs> Don't look back. Yasmin sees Kathy and Brian come in and invites them over, but Kathy has had enough of Yasmin, thank you very much, and they kind of ghost her. Tim proposes a toast. Yasmin is confused, and it becomes clear that Yasmin and Tim's dad are paying for a chunk of this wedding. Tim's dad insists that Yasmin knew, but Sally sees otherwise. And later, Yasmin and Tim's dad argue about the money, and Tim's dad eventually drags Yasmin out, blaming her for feeling ill, apologising to Faye and to Sally and to Tim. He drags her home, berating her loudly in the street, and then locks her inside the house. And all this is seen and heard by Eileen on the other side of the street. Yes. Back in the pub, Kathy and Brian and Tim are complaining about Yasmin. She's got Tim's dad round her finger, they say. Ugh. What about that fucking dress, says Sally? What possessed her? Eileen Ugh. comes in and explains about the scene that she just saw, but doesn't mention Yasmin getting locked in the house. All couples argue, says Tim. Ugh. Ah, here we go. Later, Tim's dad has stolen food from the bistro. He gets struck in about... He gets stuck into Yasmin about spending their money. This is their money. It's not your money. This is our money. But it's not. It's Speed Doll's money. Right. It's dividend from the... Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you own a business, you can't just take money out of that business willy-nilly whenever you want to. That's not how this works. No, and credit to Yasmin. She stands up to him about that and says, it's... Alia's money. I'm a partner and Alia's a partner. Right. So... He looks at uh, Yasmin in that dress and describes what he wanted to see in it, and it certainly isn't her. Yasmin struggles to get out of it, which Tim's dad chooses to interpret as a striptease. That ship has sailed, he says. She begs him, but he pushes her to the ground. She just wanted him to love her like he used to. What a moaning shit you are, he says, and he calls her a husk. A pathetic a pathetic lap dog, and he starts to throw chips at her while she struggles to get to her feet laughing as he does so. Those escorts could show you a thing or two, he says, and yes, escorts, plural. And he admits to shagging huge numbers of them. Again, all of this is her fault. She pushed him to them. All the while, her ar- his arms are flailing as he brandishes a bread knife that he was using earlier. Mm-hmm. He calls her a, bo- a bony old boar, and she backs away into the kitchen from him as he approaches on her. With the knife. He wants to shake life into her and calls her a cow for flinching every time he comes towards her like he's a monster. Maybe he should just kill her, put her out of her misery. Who would miss her? And he looks to pounce. Then she grabs a bottle and fucking whacks him across the head with it. Then stabs him in the throat with a broken neck. And he falls to the floor, gasping for breath. And that is how we finish this week's episodes. I hate this. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I hate this. It's, you know, they built this up very slowly and very carefully. 
The producers, the writers, the actors have all been talking up about how careful they've been and how they've spoken to battered women and and groups to get the story right and do justice mm, to battered women everywhere. And it's just turned into torture porn. It's awful. It's awful. The fact that they have her stab him and not the other way around. And so now she's going to go to prison and there's mm-hmm. going to be this whole thing and nobody's going to believe her and blah, 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 blah. That's not justice for women. That's not doing any credit to battered women anywhere. It's just, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. This is, this is not the way I wanted Tim's dad to get his comeuppance. No. And the way they shot it with like his creepy face and it and her kind of like weaving in and out of consciousness and and everything it's it's like it's 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 torture porn and i hate it i i am not i'm not a fan of this at all as and you know and i think i'm i'm one of those people who've been wanting this storyline to finally end and to finally get some relief from it and this is not this is not the way to do it, and and I'm I'm not happy. I would love to disagree with you. I think in the months that this has been building up, and we've been kind of joking about the best way to get rid of Tim's dad, and he's going right. to go through a bacon slicer, and right. he's going to hang himself and be on fire and all that mm. sort of stuff. But it's, we're kind of joking because he's he's such a monster, and we just right you, you kill the monster sort of right. thing. But there was that moment. I think it was two weeks ago. It might have been three weeks ago, where because of the way that the episodes are getting framed, we ended with a, a midway through Wednesday thing where she stood up to him. Mm-hmm. She says, you don't tell me what I can do. Right. This is not your decision to make. Right. You're not coming with me. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do. Mm-hmm. And she stormed out that house and mm-hmm. she was still affected by it because she could hear mm-hmm. what was going on in her head right. about things that he said in the past and mm-hmm. stuff but she left them right and that is where it should have gone from yeah she should never have gone back no it should have been certainly maybe people don't believe her and right. maybe, maybe she has to then try and get him out of her house and all right. that sort of stuff but they're, they're married and whatever mm-hmm. but she should have had that strength and that resolve and that should have been her winning right her finally getting out from and he can beg and whatever and try and get her back and right and she can stand her ground and tell me sling his fucking hook mm-hmm. the mistake that they've made was putting her back in that house again right and and taking all of that strength that we finally saw that had been building up to a peak and just saying nah and chucking it all away and then accelerating things at a rapid pace and i agree with you that i think part of the problem is the whole rescheduling and 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 clipping things and and mushing things together that probably shouldn't have been mushed together because of because of everything and and i know that people have have sort of complained saying what why the hell are we having these really dark storylines when the world is so dark right now already 
And I think if they were going to start, you know, cutting and, and splicing things together and everything, what they really probably should have done is said, you know what, we're going to put this storyline on hold and we're going to splice together some of the other stuff that we've already filmed and wait until maybe later on in the summer to come back to the storyline or something. And I don't know if that would have necessarily worked because of other stuff, but it's just this, we have been praising them up and down with how careful and how thoughtful they've been with the storyline. And yeah, the planning has been incredible. The planning has been incredible, but the way that this came to a head, it's just, it just throws all the good work out the window. I feel that the, producers have been cowardly about it because Yasmin leaving is not the firework display that they want. Right, yeah. So It's need- a soap. It has to be dramatic. Right. So th- they don't have the courage or their convictions to show something that would actually happen of her leaving and then not coming back. Right. So what they have to do is go for for that explosion, for that bacon slicer, for that setting on fire kind of mm-hmm. thing. But by doing this, and I don't know if Tim's dad is dead or not, I, I presume he's not. Right. What they're doing now is they're just going back a year and a half, picking up the storyline where Sally goes to jail. Right. And they're just changing the character names. Right. It's people not believing Sally. People not believing Yasmin. Right. Yasmin getting wrongfully convicted of murder or attempted murder mm-hmm. or whatever. When it was self-defense. Right. So all they're doing is going back to their tried and tested playbook of how how do we end a storyline where someone has potentially broken the law or could be seen to have broken the law. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll just reach back to that. We'll pluck it in. We'll do a, a find and replace. Mm-hmm. We'll take out Sally's name. We'll put in Yasmin's name. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're going to have for the next few months is right. this just pointless legal and in, inverted commas drama right and oh that, now we get to see yasmin in prison we yeah. haven't we haven't used the prison set in a while so yeah. let's pull that back in yeah because it's it's a woman she has to go to prison right it's just it's the meanwhile gary windass walks the streets right another wrongfully convicted storyline sure let's go for it why not um you know, there was a moment, and I mean, and I mean, that would have been fine. That would have been fine if they hadn't been trumping up so much about how they really wanted to do this to bring attention to to battered women everywhere and and shine a light. And it's not even battered women; it's kind of the, the the psychological abuse, right? Side of it. Well, that's still battering. Abuse is still abuse. It still hurts, even when it's emotional. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but, but that's what they did. They said, you know, they had Shelly out there talking about meeting with other women, meeting with women who've gone through things like this and how they're being really careful and how this is an important thing. And this is, you know, like the peak of their if you've been affected storylines that they, they seem to want to do all the time. And you can't have both. You can't have, you know, over-the-top psychodrama soapy stuff 
and also we really want to address in a very important issue that's in real life mm -hmm. you can't have both there was a, a part of me that that cheered when when he got stabbed in the throat mm -hmm. the joy that i got from that lasted not until the end of the closing credits no it was done yes but then mm. but then in the, the seconds that follow you, you imagine where this is then going to go right and i never thought i'd say this but i'm so disappointed that tim's dad got stabbed in the throat yeah, me too. You know who's in real trouble, though? Ryan. Why? I didn't check on him. He promised Alia <laughs> that he was going to be there for her grand, that she should go to the wedding, and everything was going to be okay. He promised everything was going to be okay. We saw him in one scene checking up on Yasmin, and then we haven't seen him since. To be fair, in that one scene, she did tell him to mind his own business. Yeah, but... He also knows that she is being brainwashed and manipulated and everything. So mm -hmm. even if he was watching out for her from afar, even if he had been in the rovers that night when everybody was like bad mouthing her and saying, hey, you guys don't know what's going on. Right. Although all of the people in the rovers at that moment know that he locked her in a fucking box. Yep. And Eileen knows that she got locked in the house and... Sally saw her and saw how she was looking. Was this the actions of somebody who has her husband round her little finger? Was any of this? No. Because of course now, of course everyone has to be against her. Right. And I hate that too. I hate that too because that moment of strength that we saw a few weeks ago happened before the whole outs with Kathy. Mm -hmm. So she's lost yeah. her best friend. In all of this. And this, again, is not something that... This is not Kathy. No. Kathy would never never do that. No. She's... Weeks ago, she was terrified for uh, for Jasmine. Yeah. She, she was in the house when... Yes. She witnessed Tim's dad being Tim's fucking dad. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And she doesn't bring that up. She's she going to forget that? She's going to say that she's got her wrapped around her finger... And I, I honestly, like, in that scene where, you know, they're walking by the house and they go and they, they, you know, they go to check on her and everything. And she says, you know, well, maybe I was too hard on her and things were stressful and everything. I was like, oh, thank God, finally. Mm -hmm. But then because Yasmin doesn't come to the door, she's going to throw out that as well. Looks like it. I, I, and... There's a right way and there's a wrong way to do things. And if, if you're going to try to to preach and, and to support people who are going through things like this in real life every day, you don't figuratively stab them in the back by making it some huge, shocking, soapy thing. No, the, the answer to this problem does not come from stabbing and someone in the throat with the neck of a ball. Right. And... A woman who we've already seen go through so much get thrown into prison. Which we're assuming, but that, that, that might um, not come to that. But that might not. I fucking hope not. Oh, your moment of the week. Devin Asha. Yep, that's our moment, moment of, the of the week. week. Moment of the week. 
boring moment of the week ken and daniel talking about daniel's spiritual journey <laughs> yes i'm just grateful uh, uh. good to see the barlows are still the barlows that's that's all i'm saying it, it's good to see everybody else goes awry and becomes something that their characters are not but the barlows will always be the barlows you can count on them. Wait. Also, I was amused by uh, uh, Carla finally pouring a pint and Decent wanting to take yeah. a picture and post it on Instagram. That was <laughs> like. kind of funny. It's good to see Carla behind the bar. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. So that's our... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this up then? Oh, yes, please. If you've been affected by the story that Chris told us about from the Archers, maybe start your own chuffing podcast or, or alternatively, spill your guts to us. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com on email, which is how you can leave us a voicemail on Skype or leave some droppings in our virtual tip jar on the PayPal. Please, there's a pandemic on. <laughs> We're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we always appreciate a rating and a review on the iTunes if you can muster up any enthusiasm whatsoever for doing such a thing. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more... Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Cheerio. Bye.